Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. We sit comfortably, gentlemen. <laughs> Hello and welcome Dude. to. Oh, fucking who talked in me backswing? <laughs> you said you said you're sitting comfortably, so I've answered. <laughs> it was rhetorical. Oh right, okay. Well, let's start again. Are we ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne and coming up on this week's show. After four games unbeaten and eight points from a possible 12, good old Newcastle United were back in familiar territory with a poor display and a 2-0 defeat to Arsenal. We'll look ahead to Leicester and beyond, talk about getting the best out of Miguel Almiron and others, and discuss what's next for Steve Bruce's men. We'll go back to May 1996 to relive that Kevin Keegan rant during an emotional and traumatic title run-in. And the quiz is back with a new format and no doubt lots for George and Chris to complain about, as I shall be asking the questions, but... Before we sneak up behind that and two-footed from behind, let's say hello to gorgeous George Coggan and private Christopher Waffles. How are we doing, chaps? Are we well? Yes, very well, thank you, Taylor. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm all right. Yeah, the sun's come back out again. It was snowing earlier on, which is good for me, but uh, the sun's come out now and it's quite nice. There's been snow, there's been hail, there's been sun. It's a bit yeah. like that crowded well, house on four seasons in one day. That's what it's been. It is a bit like that, yeah. No, I'm feeling quite chipper. I've been out and about. Um, I went to Hartlepool at the weekend, so I uh, nice. I sat and watched a match there. So that felt uh, that felt kind of quite good fun. Nice to see them playing well. And um, I think we're sort of contemplating lockdown, sort of ending kind of thing now, aren't we? Really? Yeah. So it feels a bit bit more real. It's on the horizon, isn't it? And also some fans back into grounds and stuff for uh, event testing and all that sort of thing. So we're getting closer, aren't we? Chris, how are you doing? Are you well? Uh, yes, I'm not too bad, thing. I'm not too bad. I have a bit of an issue with you referring to Newcastle's display as poor. I think that's extremely generous. Um, but we'll get on we'll get we'll get on to that. I think it's generous to call Chris, it a display, isn't it? <laughs> it wasn't a display of anything, was it? I mean it? it's 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 a, it's 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 generous to call it a game of football. Um, yes. But come on, this makes us happy. This I mean Chris is fast taking on my mantle as miserableist. Um, he, did you hear the eagerness in his voice there as he leapt leapt upon a little bit of negativity? I've got things. something that I can mourn about. New, I'm, depl- I'm deplorable. That's what I am. I'm deplorable. You are you absolutely. Are. You are. Well, what I will say though, a little bit of positive news for the northeast. Uh, well done, Heaven, uh, Heaven Town Football Club for their uh, win in the FA Vars yesterday, uh, Monday. Sorry, fantastic result. Uh, beating concert. Heaven is a place on earth. Indeed, it is wonderful stuff, and and also great to see the scenes on uh, on uh, Facebook and on Twitter and stuff of the bus coming back to heaven to the sports club and seeing all those fans there gathered. It would be lovely to win something, wouldn't it, lads? Even just if it was 
FA involves. <laughs> well, it was a it was a proper game of football though. Like it was really entertaining. It was exciting, entertaining, and actually, I felt really of all of the events that are going on at the minute in terms of return of fans and things like that. I did. I just how they couldn't have had at least a few thousand because heaven and and concert may never get back to that sort of stage, or certainly exactly. for a long period exactly. of time. I thought I thought of all the yeah. events that they should have had fans there for that because it's just a wonderful. It was a wonderful occasion. In a stadium that size, we could have certainly yeah. uh, dealt with that, couldn't we? We could have had a few fans in there. Anyway, well, uh, before we crack on uh, and get ourselves stuck into the meat of this week's podcast, I've just got enough time to tell you about the latest offer from The Athletic. So you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of three ninety nine a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, Chris and George. George, start with you. We got anything interesting on the horizon? Anything coming up? I did do a big piece about Hartlepool. That's why I was there. Mm. So um, that, as we record, that has kind of just gone up. Gone up today, that was fun. I went down to interview Dave Challoner, the manager who, uh, if you remember, the long as a player, was famous. That's correct. Yeah. He still has his Guinness World Record uh, certificate on his wall in his garage, which I was very pleased, to, very pleased to hear about. I've got a Guinness World Record. Did you know that? This is a true story. Well, really? Go on, then. Because I took part in the virtual London Marathon um, last year, and I think it was the biggest virtual marathon ever, or something. So I got, I've got science. That's not so your world record. That that's common. not your. That doesn't count as the same as this. This having the world long throwing. Excuse me, Chris. I'm just opening my Guinness World Record official <laughs> participant. Dear participant, right, I'm reading this out now. Uh, participated in the follow, following record event. The most users to run a remote marathon in 24 hours is 37,966 and was achieved by the Virgin Money London Marathon, I didn't say that right, Marathon on the 4th of October 2020. <laughs> Dear participant, I'm delighted to p- present you with a certificate of participation to recognise your important contribution to this Guinness World Records title. And I bet that's framed above your bed, is it, George? You've got that it's going to be. Yeah. It is going Absolutely. to be framed in my office. And Chris will have be his. Chris will have his for excessive sausage consumption just next to the uh... most meat <laughs> ever ever ingested by one human being in one day. Have you ever thought of doing one of those um, like hot dog eating comp- competitions? Uh, would, uh, hot dogs aren't. That's not proper meat. If it's a crap hot dog, that's not proper meat. <laughs> Well, there you go. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this, this has taken us, this has taken us in the direction I didn't meat. want to go. There we go. So, anyway, I wrote about Harley Pool, so that was good. <laughs> Chris, what about you, other than stamping on everyone's dreams? Anything you've been up to this week? <laughs> um, well, again, being miserable primarily. Um, so, we're going to discuss it a bit later on. But yeah, Miguel Almiron, um, sort of how he summarizes or sort of sums up the way that this team's playing at the minute, unsure exactly. Hmm. What's happening with them? Why he should fit in? Whether he's the system suits him or whether he's just shoehorned in. So I've done a piece on so I did a piece on him after the Arsenal game, and then also a piece which is going up tomorrow or when this podcast comes out on the Thursday, looking at the sort of defensive situation, the fact that Newcastle have three players who, as things stand, are going to be out of contract hmm. uh, next month, which is Fabian Cher, Paul Dummett, and Federico Fernandez. But two of them, Newcastle, have the option to extend their contracts. They haven't done so yet, sort of looking at why mm. the bizarre sort of situation with the general centre-back situation. Because Steve Bruce has wanted to sign a centre-back ever since he's arrived, and he's not signed one yet. Not because he hasn't tried, but, but he hasn't been able to. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, sort of looking at that and basically how Newcastle need to restructure that area of the team. 
Well, there you go. Excellent. So get yourself onto theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod uh, and take advantage of that special 40% off discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Right then, chaps. Actually, Chris, before we go any further, that Miguel Almiron piece that you wrote was very good. I read that earlier on. And and don't take this the wrong way, but I did read it while I was on the toilet uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Well, I think, thank you very much. Um, I think that's, that's the way to respond to that. <laughs> I think that's the best way to read Chris's articles, if uh, if there's anyone out there. You know, like if you've got a serving <laughs> suggestion on the side of a sauce or something like that, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, well then, chaps, Arsenal game. Drab and dreary, wasn't it? Very little energy out there for Newcastle. Uh, 2-0 defeat, uh, and we've kind of gone back to our old ways, haven't we, George? We, we sucked ourselves deep into our own box and sat there and waited for the inevitable, didn't we? Oh, I'm so annoyed with myself for looking forward to it. I know. That was the worst part, wasn't it? Because there was that bit of that little bit of positivity and you think, come on, something good today and then I put a five on us to win like two nil or two one or something. It was like, oh god. But I and I think that's the I mean, I'm annoyed at myself, but I'm sort of you know, it wasn't my fault. Um <laughs> and but um you know, the way they set out, oh god, you know, here's an Arsenal team who dreadful run of form, yeah, really in the league. I mean, they're a very average side. They've got this European, uh, you know, fixture. They, they'd had a game on the Thursday night. He's made all those changes, eight changes, and they've got this game coming up. Yeah. And it's a massive game for them. I mean, I'm not saying that the Premier League was an afterthought for them, but the, they were, but I think, you know, I think they have to do something in this game they were there to, the to give really, their... They? they were. Let's be well, honest. that's what I'm sort of saying. I mean, I'm, I know it's easier said than done. And again, it was that Newcastle that are passive that sit back, that invite the opposition onto them. What that does is it gives teams the chance to create their own momentum. I mean, so whether it's Sheffield United, um, you know, famously giving them their first victory, it invites another team to to sort of do what they want, to play themselves in the form. And, you know, it shouldn't be that. You look at the players that Newcastle had on the pitch. Um, I was actually sort of quite excited seeing that, seeing that line-up. Um, seeing Callum Wilson sort of back in there, and um, there are you know there are a lot of attacking players on the pitch, a lot of players who've been playing well, been playing up the, been playing up the park and doing it to sort of some, some decent decent effect. But it was just miserable again. It really was. It was properly properly rubbish. That system has worked pretty well in recent weeks, Chris, hasn't it? But it was it was hugely ineffective against that Arsenal team. It was, and what frustrates me about Newcastle is that you can tell after five minutes what was going on. Oh, yeah. They weren't going to get any better, you, and that's the sort of team they are. And you just know, spot on. It's, it's, yeah. And I want to apologise to everyone. Smell it a mile off. I want to apologise to everyone because I was back at St James's Park, and as I've already said a few weeks ago, my record <laughs> is shocking this season. Yeah. So this was, this was basically there for everyone to see. I mean, I, I, I want to echo sort of what what George said, and it was, it was frustrating listening to Steve Bruce after the game, and I understand why Newcastle fans were getting annoyed him because a he kept on talking about oh Arsenal really good team, like well they're not a really good team. No. Arsenal ten years ago really good. This Arsenal are bang average. It was it was a nuisance to them this game. They made was, eight yeah. changes. You saying our people say this is a reserve team, but it's still a good team. So like, it is their reserve team. They made eight changes. Yeah, yeah. Most Absolutely. of them won't play. <laughs> most of them won't play in the Europa League. But then also it's 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 just, oh we just we just didn't play well enough. And it's that's not an, that's not a you can't just why didn't you play well enough. What what yeah, what yeah, was yeah. it that was what what can you improve upon and and I agree with you about the system and 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 look it, it has worked 
to a degree over the last few weeks. But also, if you think about it, for large parts of Liverpool game, they could have, could and should have maybe yeah, been far behind. Absolutely. Yeah. Burnley, they got battered for 50 minutes and then uh, turned it around when Alan Saint-Maximin came on. So it's not as mm-hmm. if it's it's suddenly fixed all of the issues that are there. And in some ways, I, I didn't understand why it didn't change during the game earlier on. You could see it wasn't working. You could see that the full back, the wing back, sorry, were getting exposed defensively over and over again. I felt sorry for Jacob Murphy because it's not his position, but over and over again, Martinelli just had him on toast. Over well, and it over. was the, go- the the second goal, wasn't it? it? Was was a was a prime example of that, wasn't it? He was sucked inside and left a massive gap behind him. And exactly, the first goal was the other side. It was between Dummett and Richie. Neither of them got near it. And it was Arsenal didn't even it didn't even have to play that well. And and then when Newcastle did switch in the second half, they switched to four four two eventually. And then for some reason, Sean Longstaff's playing right wing, Almiron's playing in the middle. Then he brings on Joe Linton oh, on the right wing. It's like what, what what was? And then Gale comes on. It was again. It was like throw all the forwards onto the pitch. It was just it was just really frustrating. That's the accumulation of players. <laughs> Eventually, if you play everybody. <laughs> You Just know, sneak another two on, they might not notice. You know, we might end up with 17 yeah. players on the pitch and still get beat. But <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it? there's a reason, you know, there's a, there's a reason why Newcastle are where they are on the table. I mean, and so, I, you know, they're, they're inconsistent. They're an inconsistent team and there's inconsistency in the players. I mean, I think, I think the thing is when a couple of them have an off day, then chances are Newcastle are going to lose. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think that's just the way it is. But it's also about how they set out and how they start games. And, um, you know, as, as Chris said, it's a great point that, that you can just, you can almost tell from the kickoff it's going to be, and I know that they've scored a lot of late goals, but, you know, those days when they sit off like that, that's that's attitude. You know, that is, that's an attitude problem. I don't think that's a form problem or a fitness problem. Um, it's it's an attitude you have to you know and I don't I just do not understand how they can kind of go out like that I mean I suppose one thing to say is that it wouldn't be a new situation if um, you know the team have got to this point where they're pretty much safe uh, you know I know it's not mathematically so but it's you do know, you think really, they're almost on the beach George do you think they've got the flip flops in well, yet or do you think we're you not know, quite there that point that Isaac Hayden made um, I can't remember if we played that clip, but certainly in, in the interview I did with him, you know, he talked about that sort of mentality at the club where you get enough to be safe and switch off, and yeah. you know that that wasn't that didn't go down very well with the club, but but he he had a good point that there has to be in some ways it's human nature I guess that you know you have all this tension you have you have you know that sort of relegation moving moving over you and you get to a point where the other teams are losing and you've you've kind of kept picking up points and I'm I'm sure it does take away sort of a lot of the adrenaline um but that's not what you want for your football team for your football club and again Hayden made the point that um you know you want to be a team that sort of gets to well how many points Newcastle have 36 points and then pushes for 40 then pushes for 45 then pushes for 50 that has to come you know that has to be part of the of the whole club driving to get better and we know that that drive is not there I mean they would argue against that but I don't really care I mean it's we, we know it's not there so I mean I hope it's not that um 
but um, it certainly had that smell about it, didn't it? Chris, the, we're saying Arsenal aren't, aren't in great shape at the minute. They've they've you know they've lost a few games and stuff like that, and they've not played brilliantly. But what they do have on their side and in that midfield in particular is is a bit of youthful exuberance, don't they? And El Nenny, who scored the goal, and uh, Martinelli, uh, and also Martin Odegaard as well. They're busy little players. They get around the pitch. They you know they cover a lot of ground, and and in direct you know comparison to that, we had. John Joe Shelby and Sean Longstaff, who you know were struggling to cover the ground. I thought on uh, on Saturday. I thought uh, Sunday. Sorry, I thought they really they really struggled. And I thought Shelby in particular looked very immobile. I don't know if he's maybe suffering a little bit with his fitness, but I just don't think he was at the races. No, I thought that Newcastle for large for most of the players, I thought that they were really struggling in terms of they didn't look. At it, they, I don't know if they were physically tired or what it was, but they they, they, did, they did in the mid midfield wise that they, they, they did really struggle. They completely um, got they were depressing from from Arsenal. Well, Arsenal didn't even really press, sorry, but just Newcastle just sort of let them have it. And David Luiz in the first, I mean, for the first goal was just he was just given the freedom to to just roam forward with the ball. And if that's what you do in five minutes into the game, then what are you going to be like fifteen twenty? 60 minutes into the game and that that was exactly, yeah, exactly the issue yeah. that, that there was and it was so it was so frustrating and I do worry about the balance of that midfield and I do think that it, it it's it's very much set up seemingly to benefit John Joe Shelby that's the way that it, it, it looks that's the way that it seems to me strangely actually Steve Bruce when he first came into Newcastle wanted to play with a Essentially, this system. When he the first two games of last season, he played three five two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's and then it. he abandoned it because they were so bad. Um, they got turned over at Norwich. They actually played against Arsenal that very first game, and they've now gone back to it. And 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 they had some short term success with it, but I still just don't know if the balance is quite right. I don't know if there's enough athleticism in the middle, and and it it did feel like. Um, that Arsenal just weren't pushed and challenged at all and weren't pressed, so they, they were given up just so much time to do what they wanted. That's right. Um, also, Fabian Scher, George, <laughs> back in the team, came back returning from injury, played himself oh, in uh, yeah. eight minutes or so. I think he lasted on the pitch, eight, eight or nine minutes, and then a, a straight red card. Bit of a mad one, that, wasn't it? There's some people saying it shouldn't have been a red, though. What was your, what was your take on that? Um, I think it was probably a red he was, was a bit reckless, a wasn't he? I think rather than dangerous. I didn't I think, think it was a red. I mean, I, d- Did you I not? think he's 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 rash and he's reckless usually, and it well, was that was that was, ex- that was an example. No, no, this is sorry. That's what Fabian Scher is usually. Sorry, okay. I I didn't think it was. I mean, it was late, but I didn't think it was dangerous. I didn't think it was that bad. I I I could. I don't agree where people go. Oh, we should have gone to Vaughan, got overturned. It's it's a sort of it's a one of those ones where the referees <laughs> yeah. made the decision. But I think it was a little bit harsh in terms of red card. It was definitely yeah. Everything's looked at. Everything's looked at. So that'll have been looked at as well. Yeah, but I don't think it should be overturned in that sense because because although I don't think it's necessarily a red card, it's a subjective decision in that sense. Oh, so you're saying? Yeah. yeah they mentioned this in the commentary. Do you not think that if the ref had given a yellow, then VAR wouldn't have been able to say that was a clear and obvious mistake and wouldn't have overturned it and turned it into a red? Because I think if the ref had given a yellow, I don't think anyone would have would have batted an eyelid. No, but that's where that's the way I think VAR should. Work. I don't. I don't. That's where I think there's a lot of of room for VAR to improve. But I don't agree with that. To one of the issues of it, because some decisions are subjective, and so it's not a clear and obvious error either way. It's a one of the ones that you see is sort of borderline either side. And so that for me is is sort of VAR work to an extent because because otherwise you are re refereeing the game and you are having the VAR yeah, tell the referee it. to do something else. Right. So to 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 sort of try and explain what I meant. What I mean 
by it's a red. I think in the current in the you know the way the the it's interpreted at the minute, I don't think there can be any complaints. You know, there can I don't think there can be many complaints about that being a red card. I don't view that as a travesty of justice. I mean, I think there were other challenges. I think I think by that by the standards of that challenge, there were other challenges in the game that could have been red cards. Yeah, so I, th- I take that sort of on board. But and you know, I do. You know, when when kind of Steve Bruce talks afterwards saying you can't make a tackle now and all that, I do I do have a I do have sympathy for that for that sort of general old school kind of argument. At the same time, I just don't look at that challenge and think it was a travesty of justice. I think Shaw was stupid for me. Oh, he was making. massively stupid, massively stupid. But I mean, granted, Chaka could have had his second yellow for for body checking yeah. uh, Sean Longstaff yeah, as exactly, well, yeah. and and you know sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Uh, it, it's just one of those things. Okay, well, are we ready to move on, chaps? Yes, let's park that game and hopefully never ever have to come back to it. <laughs> Absolutely right, okie dokie. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking ahead, Leicester next up on the horizon for Newcastle United. It's my sort of opinion. I don't know how you chaps feel about this. I like Leicester City. I like I like the way the club is, and I, I like the the sort of feeling that they have around the club. I think Leicester should be the kind of model for teams like Newcastle United, who are you know who've got eyes on that top half, or should have eyes on that top half. You know, they're a well-run club. Uh, you know, players coming through from the academy, shrewd transfer business, good coach, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think Leicester could be the, the Leicester should be the blueprint, shouldn't they? Surely for teams wanting to get in the top ten. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, great stadium. Spent a lot of money on their training ground. Um, got a good forward-thinking manager. Their record in the transfer market's been pretty good, and they've kept their supporters on board very well, and so on and so forth. I mean, yeah, in in those terms, they should be a model for upwardly mobile football clubs. But absolutely, guess who that gets? Who, <laughs> guess who that rules out? Do you do you think that Brendan Rodgers has still got like that life-size portrait of himself on the wall? You know, they had when he was when he was at Liverpool. <laughs> Without a doubt, don't we all? Without don't we all have one of those? <laughs> George, I imagine George, I imagine yours as you just dressed head to toe in tweed with like a hunting dog next to you with a rifle cocked over your arm. Excuse me? <laughs> a cocked rifle, George. Have you never cocked a rifle in your life? All right. No, no. <laughs> 
No, I've had a rifled cock before, but I had to go to the doctor. No, fair play. <laughs> Do some penicillin. I'll get taken out. Excellent. Well, Leicester are a good team, Chris, aren't they? You know, they play some good football. They've got some very, very decent players, especially in that midfield and up front. Uh, I mean, what what can what can Bruce change? What can Newcastle do differently going into this one? Yes, well, they've dismantled Newcastle three times during the Bruce era so far. <laughs> yeah, so, they have, um, yeah. I mean, it was 5-0 away last season. It was 3-0 at home, and that 3-0 could and should have been a lot more. And then it was 2-1 earlier this season, but that scoreline flat as Newcastle. Andy Carroll came on and made a, a big difference. But James Madison has run the game against Newcastle the last few times. The, the midfield is the issue. We were discussing it before in terms of what we're running against Arsenal. That's what concerns me for this match. I'd like to see someone like, I mean, ideally, obviously, Isaac Hayden's not fit, but someone like him. So maybe someone like Matty Longstaff who can get in and around, who can cause problems, who can try and disrupt in the midfield because that there wasn't enough of that against Arsenal. And maybe Newcastle need that freshen up. Maybe this side, have they've got to that stage and maybe they have relaxed a little bit, which is sort of human nature. Maybe the adrenaline's gone a little bit. Bring in someone with a point to prove, be that Matty Long, Longstaff or someone like that. Point yeah, to prove, but also yeah. energy and ability to be Terrier-like in midfield. I think that's what Newcastle need. Definitely. I would definitely agree with that. And I mean, the, the, that midfield, that just needs that, just needs that bit of enthusiasm, doesn't it? That energy, that, you know, that, uh, what's the, what's the word? That that sort of verve, somebody who's uh who's going to go in there and stick the foot in a bit and uh you know carry the the team forward as well. Um, George, it's it's an interesting one with with Callum Wilson and Alan Maximin up front at the minute. That partnership, do you think? Do you think that could be the way to go forward, or do you think that's probably uh gonna gonna you know be another thing that gets rotated? I can't see that it'll get rotated. I mean, Steve Bruce has spent most of this season kind of lamenting the fact that he hasn't had the two of them to play together and that was only one game. So uh, I think, you know, and he's again consistently said that they're his best players and we've missed our best players, etc, etc. So I would imagine that they're going to stay in the team in the team for now. It, it does feel like it needs a, it needs a shake-up again. I mean, it's interesting when you think back to previous times when they've, uh, you know, what... When, 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 using sort of a lot of the same players, how they can get most of them, you know, in the kind of latter days of Benitez when Shelby wasn't in the team, they had Hayden and Sean Longstaff sort of in those kind of uh, central midfield positions. And they had Sharp who was able to come out and sort of fill the fill the kind of Shelby role, which is spraying long passes if, if necessary. And that was the best that you know, Hayden and Longstaff have, have played for Newcastle and that there was a protection for the defence there. Um, but obviously that's, you know, for inju- you know injury and suspen- suspension reasons, that's not something that can be done. I mean, Shelby on that, on that sort of display, it's, you know, I know it's, it's already a question for loads and loads of people about how he stayed in, how he stayed in the team, but he's so deep and, um, yeah. you know, he was so slack uh, for some of Arsenal's, uh, you know, for Arsenal's first goal in particular, and I realise I'm now getting in, but getting back onto <laughs> okay. Arsenal, but it does feel like, to go back. it does feel like. But I can't see, I can't see Wilson and St Maximan being broken up unless there's a in, injury there. With that in mind, Chris, where how do we fit? How do we fit Joel Linton into this, and do, or does he fit into this? Because he's not going to play as as one of that midfield three, and he isn't going to play as one of the wing backs either, is he? He would play as a striker. Do you think it's, that's him on the bench for this foreseeable? Well, right winger as he came on against Arsenal. Um, the yeah, I do seem I do seem to be on the bench. I mean, more of a pressing issue for me is as, as I wrote about is is, is Miguel Almiron. I mean, Miguel Almiron Absolutely, is currently yeah. in the team, but 
I think he's in the if he's going to be in the team, then he needs to be playing further forward. I don't think if you're playing Miguel Almiron, don't play him as a midfielder. And that role's changed slightly at certain points. He has been. I mean, at Liverpool, he was almost like a left winger because it became almost like a five-four-one. But he's not. He's not part of a midfield three, particularly midfield three which contains John Joe Shelby, and so therefore you, you probably need the other two to be doing a fair bit of running. <laughs> yeah. Then I don't understand why Miguel Almiron's there because he he buzzes around, he works hard, but. He's not someone who passes the ball on quickly. He takes several touches in the middle and it actually slows the attacks going forward. Even though he's a does, quick yeah. player and you think of him quick counter-attack and he actually slows that up because he's not getting high enough for the pitch. He can't release players as he was doing when he was playing as a, as a false nine or when he was playing uh, as, as a number 10 when they played 4-2-3-1. So I would like to see if he is going to play Almiron, almost switch the system so that Almiron becomes part of a front three or just two behind the striker, like the almost the end of the of the Rafa Benitez era where he was playing there with Perez behind um, Rondon. Yeah. Do that with 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 Sam Maximum behind Wilson and see if that works. Because at the minute, I just don't see why he's in the team in that position that he's in. As a double pivot number ten, Chris, is that where you want as him a, to play? Exactly yeah. as a double pivot yeah. number ten. Yeah, of course. It always comes back to that with you, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, Determined to genius. push that push that into, uh, into into regular conversation, aren't you? Yeah, amazing foresight. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, Leicester, uh, like I say, Leicester have got some good pace in behind on the break and stuff like that. That midfield of a bit tenacious, and they've also got some guile and some craft in there as well. Um, but if Jamie Vardy's firing, you know, you can be in danger pretty quickly just from a quick ball over the top. Over the top. So Newcastle are going to have to be, uh, you know, they're going to have to be really careful. But we don't, we don't play a particularly high line, do we, Chris? Which is where Jamie Vardy tends to get a lot of his goals from, which is running in behind and stuff like that. When you're camped on the edge of your own six-yard box, it's quite difficult to give that kind of goal away isn't it yeah they, they don't play particularly high. I mean they have tried to move slightly further up the pitch in recent weeks and actually Bruce was saying that he wanted Newcastle to be higher last week but I think that more of a concern for me is if Leicester try and do what Arsenal did and try and exploit the gaps behind the wing backs and, and, and the back three because it, it did look like Dummett and Fernandez either side were struggling to get across never mind the fact that Richie and and Murphy are not natural defenders as it is, the, then covering out wide, those defenders being dragged out wide, there was an issue there. And if, if, if Leicester do that to Newcastle, then I, then I will I, I would worry for them. And, and Vardy is very clever in the way that he runs, so it wouldn't surprise me to see him drifting out wide as well as trying to get through the middle. Trying to find those gaps. Yeah, exactly. The good strikers find space anyway, and they know how to pull defenders out of position and make space for others and things like that. I mean, what I would hate is for it to be an excuse, you know, for Vardy... To be an excuse for Newcastle to sit back, uh, to sit back again, you oh, know, yeah, because yeah, uh, you know it's not like they need an excuse to do that. But <laughs> you hope it's not, because yeah, exactly as Chris says, Arsenal showed that it doesn't it doesn't matter how how much you sit back, good teams will find a way through you, and um, you know, less less to have good players ac- across the pitch. You don't want to sort of encourage them to to play you know you you can you can defend you can defend and be aggressive you can defend and press you can do all those things but you know Newcastle Newcastle on last week's kind of performance don't do anything I mean that's that's the thing they don't do anything they don't get in your face they're just passive and sit back and it just invites defeat interesting though George isn't it the the the, um 
the the noise around Steve Bruce and the pressure that he was under has lifted over the last few weeks, hasn't it, with those results and that little run of form that we've had. Do you think in the summer that could be something that is revisited? Do you think that's something that uh, will still be on his mind or on the club's mind? Is he is he likely to you know continue on next season? From what you know, well, it's a good question, and yeah, I'm sure you're asking because there's been you know there's been reports that Newcastle are looking at uh, Gennaro Gattuso. The Napoli, the Napoli manager, sort of that breaking. I mean, you know, there's a few things to say here. I mean, they were they were very very definitive after Brighton that Bruce was, you know, was not going on anywhere mm-hmm. at a time when a lot of clubs um, would have taken, you know, would have finally sort of taken the decision to 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 switch things up, and they didn't do that, and that certainly had a, you know, we saw that it had an effect in terms of results and certainly sort of within within the club within the dressing room at least it sort of got people behind the idea that nothing was going to change and so they sort of had to get on with it and so you know I'm not saying that was the right decision or the wrong decision but it was an important decision or non-decision whatever you want to call it I mean I think speaking from the outside you would say it would be a strange thing to do to 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 keep him at that point and then change things then, in the summer. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I don't sort of quite see that logic. But the and, you know, all the usual things apply. He's under contract. He signed an initial three-year contract, initial three-year mm-hmm. contract. Yep. There's still another year to run. The longer that goes on, the more compensation Newcastle would have to pay. Mm-hmm. And with a takeover lingering, um, it... You know, we know that Newcastle don't want to spend money. You know, they don't want to spend money, and um, you know, going through that process of bringing in a, uh, getting rid of one manager, bringing in another one, um, would be an expensive business. So yes, you then draw, you know, the the thing that the sort of wild card, I suppose, is Steve Bruce's own view when he gets to the end of this season, whether he wants to put himself, um, you know, through that anymore, and in, in terms of. You know, do I need this? Do I need that? Do I need the hassle? Yeah. You know, we we haven't we haven't had fans in the stadium obviously this season, but certainly the noise outside has been pretty hostile, and that's you know that's a reflection of results, not anything else. Um, and you know, do do I need do I need that equally? Uh, you know, so could something be done there? I mean, again, you would hope that you would hope that the club would have a would sort of have a discussion about that with him and what they might what they might do I mean um, but I don't think those discussions have happened yet I mean from stuff that I've heard I don't think that's been something that they've come to any decisions on or anything like that I might be wrong but I don't I certainly don't think think that and we know that from the way Newcastle have acted in the past they don't have people lined up they don't line people up so um, so that's that's what I know I don't know what Chris thinks yeah, I think that that almost Bruce's own position and how he feels is is probably more of a determinant factor here than anything else. I don't see Newcastle pushing to make a change unless there is someone who they seemingly have liked for quite a while, and then they decide that they're they're the person to take them forward. I mean, maybe you need to look at whether I mean the concern, and I wrote this over the international break, was that at that point this was before they had the mini revival, but I just can't, I still can't see Steve Bruce stand in front of if we allowed a full St James's Park by August, which I hope we are, I still can't see him stand on the touchline and why that's going to have attracted fans back and what the idea is, what what vision that is going to portray going forward because there has been no progress this year and that will be more than 
two years into his, his time. And if they don't start well next season, that's such negative momentum and there's nothing that Steve Bruce can fall back on. So I find it difficult still to visualise that. But equally, as George said, because they pushed through that period when that initially happened, I can't see them rushing to make a change unless they're, unless they're with the opinion is we're not going to change during the season. This is the person to take us forward, but we're going to wait till the summer to bring them in. That's the only way I could see Newcastle changing and making that change. Obviously, takeover and that situation dependent. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right then, let's move on, chaps. Uh, We're going to go and dip back into our archives. Uh, An iconic moment in the history of Newcastle United. Something uh, which lives long in the memory. Here we go, listen to this. When you do that with footballers, like he said about Leeds, and when you do things like that about a man like Stuart Pearce, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you, you can tell him now, be watching it. We're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And, And I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Oh, my God. The hairs still go up on my arms and on the back of my neck listening to that. 25 years ago. I had a cock rifle listening to that. <laughs> Outstanding. Oh, man. The, just the pure passion coming off the man. You've got to admire it, haven't you? I know we things didn't go our way that year, let's be honest. But, um, my God. Yeah, I loved it. Love it. I loved to, to hear love that. It. Love it. Oh, love you've it. got to love it. it. You have to it. love it. The old, uh, Chris, the old the old myth that it was mind games by Fergie and that Keegan finally flipped and, and exploded. I'm not sure about that, are you? It's a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer, I think, that it was mind games. I don't think it was mind games. I mean, the league had already gone by that stage. It was already, yeah. it was really the final throws of it. I, it the, the, you use the word emotion, and I think that's exactly, that, that just typifies Kevin Keegan and his style of management, and the type of bloke he is. That was, that Heart is, that is him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Heart and sleeve, saying as and he he felt wronged by what happened. He didn't like the comments and when he was just being honest. I don't think it was yeah. so much mind games. This idea that that was where Newcastle lost the league. Newcastle lost the league as we discussed a few weeks ago when they couldn't beat Man United at home, even though they had dominated yeah. the game. And Peter Schmeichel had a wonderful world class performance at the other end. Uh, Eric Cantona scored the goal. That's where they started to lose the league. By this stage, it was it was already gone. That's just that's just Kevin Keegan letting that passion out and so defending his club and his players as well. And so that's why he, yeah. he was fiercely proud of that side. And that was him showing that in what he was saying there. 
I've spoken to a couple of the the old the players from that team as well, and said, you know, what what sort of effect did that have on the team at the time? And and the players, all of them, to a man, have to, have said that they absolutely loved it when he did that. They thought it was amazing, George. It, it's it just shows it, doesn't it? We, the perception of it from the outside is not always the way it's 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 taken by the team. Yeah, and I mean, really, what a you know what a manager says on on Sky Sports straight after a game. I mean, does that really, you know, does that then really have an effect on on anybody else? I mean, the point is Man United were an absolute machine at that point. I mean, they were winning every week. I mean, it's true to say that Newcastle had a huge lead and if they'd, you know, if they'd kind of kept, kept winning every week, they'd have won it. But Manchester United... I might be wrong, but it's something like they in in all competitions they lost one game in out of twenty one. I mean, and they won all the rest of them. I mean, it's, it's something nonsense, like that. Isn't it? There was, yeah. I mean, it was it, it's it's something like that. Yeah. It, they just won every week yeah. for five months, and yeah. that was the. It, it wasn't mind games. It was games. You know, it was games. It was and Newcastle yeah. ran ran out of games, and they were and they were faltering. But I I I. I just, I sort of listen to that and it's it's I find it inspiring. He was sticking up for his team and he was sticking up for the club. What I mean, Ferguson was a master. I, I hate the phrase kind of mind game because yeah. it's a cliche, but he was a master of getting under people's skin. I mean, he did do that. There's no doubt about that. Ferguson's genius was making well, apart from being brilliant at his job and you know, yeah. Uh, what, but one of his one of his one of his incredible skills was making Man United feel like the smallest club in the in the world if you were if you were part of that you know if you were part of that dressing room they're the biggest club in the world they were certainly were then but at that point he he could boil everything down to the dressing room he would protect players no matter what you know people laughed at it people criticized but it was it was, yeah. it was absolutely um a deliberate ploy you know he would protect he would protect those players with everything he had and he would he would he would circle the wagons. He he made a way of making it feel small, and you know Keegan Keegan responded to that. He did it. He he was he, you know he was he was all heart. That's what he was. He and, was. Um, he responded like that. But I mean, yeah, it 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 had gone by that point. It had. I think we all knew that. An incredible display of passion, wasn't it, Chris? And and you know probably one in this day and age of media training and you know press officers jumping in and stuff like that. It's probably unlikely to ever be seen again or repeated, is it? Something like that. Well, I think yeah, Keegan's a unique character in so many ways. So I think, regardless, it's it's unlikely to be repeated in that sort of sense. You do have some characters in different sort of senses. You hear Jurgen Klopp say different things, and a few managers like that. But I don't think, I just think Keegan's a one-off. And and even if that's why I think he would struggle in, a little bit in terms of dealing with with uh, those sort of situations now if he was still managing now because I don't think that he, he can be media managed I don't think he wants to be he, he, he wants to be on it that's just how he is he's as you said before heart on sleeve says what comes to his mind says what he wants and, and, and in terms of and so yeah I, don't, I, I certainly don't think we're going to see it in that sort of sense again where someone live on TV in that situation um, gives it gives it the rant quite like the love it rant, but it'll go down history and rightly so. I mean, as you say, other people see it in different sort of ways, but I think for Newcastle fans, as painful as, as some of the memories are that it evokes, I think it's also it's it's also taken on a special place because, as we said, it it's him defending the club, it's him defending his players, and that's it. that's what he stood for, and that's what they that's why he was so adored. I feel nothing but pr- that was I, losing. Give- sorry, I was going to say, George, I, I feel nothing but pride when I say that clip. I feel absolutely yeah, nothing yeah, but pride. If that's losing, if that's losing, who wants to win? Exactly, perfect stuff. Right, let's move on, lads. It's quiz time. 
and I am. I mean, um, I'd like to win. I, I, I would actually like to win. Can I just? Can yes. I just can we that? please just win? Can we please win? Are you going to win the yeah, quiz can this we just, week? Can George? we just win? No, <laughs> of course not. No, of course not. And you've done something stupid, which means I'm, which doesn't. I've done something stupid. I'm trying to yeah, keep things so fresh. This, I'm changing things up. I know, but it, I've thrown a cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah, but it's you made it as a test of reflexes as well as intelligence. So I can't. Remember. You have neither of those things. Is old. that what you're saying? And I'm and I'm old, <laughs> so I'm just going to sit here in silence while Chris romps to a oh god victory, easy victory. Well then, I have no doubt about that. Well, I shall explain after this. I'm going to just uh, introduce the quiz now. Uh, this week, the great Newcastle United pub quiz is back, and we are coming to you live from Tilly's Bar. Oh, nice. You know Tilly's. Yeah. A fabulous pub in the middle of Newcastle, next door to the uh, the Opera House, and a great selection of beers, ales, spirits, and everything else that you can imagine. Um, a wonderful, wonderful pub, and somewhere that I shall be visiting as soon as uh, opening uh, indoors is allowed again, and we can get out of this lockdown and go for a good old beer. I love Tilly's, and I can't wait to get back there. The only pub I've ever known outside of Spain that sells a beer called Alhambra Reserva, and uh, Alhambra Reserva uh, is a beer that gets you drunk from the feet up. It's incredible. Um, I, I want. We could go there and then onto the Bodega as well, either way around. Amazing. Yeah, that would be quite good. I once had four bottles of Alhambra Reserva watching a Champions League semi-final, and got up from my seat to go to the loo and promptly collapsed onto the floor. <laughs> it was amazing. Anyway. Excellent. So, Tilly's is the venue for the pub uh, for the pub quiz, and this week we've got a slightly different format. So we're going to be doing a game called Guess the Player from the teams that they have played for. Uh, it's going to include past... Alan Shearer. Wrong, which is your answer for everything, but in this case it is wrong. Listen to the instructions because I won't repeat them, all right? So okay. these are going to be past and maybe present players as well. Okay, there's going to be five players. I shall read you every team that they have played for, including loan spells. Okay, but I won't tell you which ones are the loan spells. The first one to say well, the answer. This is a new format. We've we've done this before. We haven't. Done no, this we before. haven't, George. You you and I did this for the big Newcastle two quiz or whatever it's called. Yeah. So shut your motion. Oh, Listen. Right. All right. The first one yeah. to say the correct answer gets a point. If we are level at the end, I have a tiebreaker. Question. I also have an example for you. So here we go. Here's your example. Okay. Alan Shearer. No. Stop it. Okay. I shall read the teams. Nottingham Forest. Newcastle United. Wigan Athletic. QPR. Scunthorpe. Mansfield Town. And the answer is, Chris? How's the bacon, did you say? Um, How's the bacon, did you say? James Page. <laughs> That is James Perch. Well done. You don't get a point for that, though. That is just the example. Was that, hang on, what was the, was the how's the bacon? Is that your. That's buzzer? my buzzer. Do that again. How's the bacon, did you say? How's the bacon, did you say? <laughs> okay, that's quite good. I, I want you to win that. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to struggle to hear that, though. Hang on. Right. Okay. Are we ready, chaps? No. Okay. Player number one. I shall read the teams in order that he played for them. Le Havre, Auxerre, Rangers, Newcastle United. How's the bacon, did you say? Oh, I'm going to have to go to Chris there for that one. Chris? John Alan Boomsong. That is Jean Alain Boomsong. There we go. Well done. One point to Chris. Uh, also played for Juventus, Lyon, and Panathinaikos. There we go. 
Yes, Graves okay, Nunes was advised oh. not to sign him, and then they paid. <laughs> they, they could have had him for cheaper, and then they signed him more. Yeah. Ready, next one. Player number two: Liverpool, Southampton, Bolton Wanderers, Newcastle United, Reading. How's the bacon? Did you say? <laughs> Chris Waffles, Danny Guthrie. That is correct. That is Danny oh, Guthrie. How many of these are there? There are five. Just give it to Chris now. Can we all go home? <laughs> well, if, one, no. if, if I get the next one, then I win. So, uh, no, Yeah, no, Liverpool, Southampton, Bolton, Wanderers, Newcastle, United, Reading, Fulham, Blackburn, it's Rovers, Organ Gates, Athletic, Mitra, Kukar, Walsall, I'm and I'm going now, so you, can, you two can carry on, but I'm going. No, so stay there. On. Don't be getting in a huff because no. you haven't got one. You might get the next one. I won't. Alan Shearer. <laughs> Correct. No. Um, <laughs> player number three. George, if you get an, if you get even the slightest hint of a player's name in your head, just just bing in, all right? And we'll we'll, well see. Well, I did in the first one, and you went to Chris. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was first late. as well. Here we go. Player number three. Porto. Rio Avenue. Chelsea. Vitesse. How was the bacon? Did you say? Chris. I'm starting to think that I was wrong because when he said Vitesse, but I'm going to go for Christian Atsu. Yes, it is Christian Atsu. Yes. Well done. There we go. Storming into a 3 0 lead. See you later. Didn't know you got into Vitesse. Uh, I did know, but I, I wouldn't have got it from that. Okay. The next one's a little bit trickier because it starts with Newcastle oh, United. Great. Okay. It starts with right, Newcastle United. Player number great. four, George. Stop greeting and bleating in the background and let's just see if you can get one. Uh, player number four, Newcastle United. Blackpool, Bradford City, Leeds United, Sunderland, Burnley, Wigan Athletic, Birmingham City. How's the bacon, did you say? Oh, God. I know this, but I can't think of it. I think I know. Is it Gary Caldwell? Oh, it's not Gary Caldwell. I'm going to continue. Birmingham City, Toronto FC. Those are the teams. Uh, Stephen Caldwell. It is Stephen Caldwell. Oh, well done, George. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have got that. I, I wouldn't have got that unless Chris had said. Three one. Three I one. There we go. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got that. But you did get Christian it, George. Said, you did uh, get it. Don't give yourself a hard time. Gary Caldwell. Right. Gary Caldwell didn't play for Sunderland, did he? Gary Caldwell didn't play for Sunderland. No. Right. Oh. Last one. Player number five. Here we go. This one is uh, an interesting one. Here we go. Bury. Is the first team. Newcastle United, Liverpool, Newcastle United, Cork City, and Apoel. What? See those again? What? Say that again. Bury, Newcastle United, Liverpool, Newcastle United, Cork City, and Apoel. George? Terry McDermott? That was Terry McDermott, oh. yes, indeed. Outstanding well, stuff. I, I, there we I, go. I don't think I'd have got that. I don't think I'd have got that. Snatching. Well, you didn't get it. <laughs> you didn't get it. I got it. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory there. Well done. Outstanding. Well, that's only because you've asked me. Yeah, it's only because you've asked me one. 
I mean, that's, you know, that's my long-term memory. That's okay. <laughs> all right, so from now on, all really. of them have got to be pre-1990 for you. Okay, fair play. I should have got that a bit sooner, actually. I should have got that sooner. There we I go. I was sort of thinking, I was, I was thinking too, too modern. So, Chris, you are the winner this week, 3-2. Um, Thank you, Andrew. Uh, players' teams. The tiebreaker question, just for fun, was going to be how many senior career appearances did Stephen Caldwell make? What, for all of his clubs? For all of his clubs, yeah. Oh, Christ. Uh, 213. Hmm. George? Oh, no, he's made more than that. In all competitions? Yep. Um, he's made more than 213. Um, 320. Oh, George would have had that. 369 senior appearances across all teams. There we go. It's a shame he'd already lost. What did you think of the new quiz format, George? Did you enjoy it? No. No, didn't think so. I thought it was a waste of time. <laughs> Did anybody find out what the scores were, by the way, last week? We said we were going to, but I can't remember whether we actually found them out or not. Oh, who cares? That's, it's not about winning or, or it's taking not. part. It's, it's just probably about, just as well, isn't it? It's about having a shit time <laughs> filling in dead air. There we go. Well then, that's it. All done. Well done, Chris. Excellent work. Thank you. I enjoyed that. No problem. Thanks, George. No. No? Okay. Oh, he's gone off in a little huff again, hasn't he? Never mind. Well, there you go. Thanks for listening, you lot. Um, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. Uh, and visit theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod for 40% off the full price of a subscription. Uh, George is off to cock his rifle. Uh, Chris is no doubt off for a victory sausage. And until next time, take care. And thanks for listening to Pod on the Time. See you later. Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.